This morning, take your Bibles, please, and uh, find for me the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We'll be looking at the couple of verses that have been uh, very special to us over this season. We started uh, last Sunday with a study of our, our Christmas verse, as being our Christmas verse this year. And the theme is Christmas lights. And last week we looked at how Jesus was the light of the world. We'll read that passage again today. How he was the light of the world and how he came into our individual darkness as well as the darkness of our world. First, uh, Gospel of John chapter 1, if you'll read with me verses 4 and 5. The Word of God says, In him was life, and that light was the light of men. And the light shined, shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it, does not overcome it. Powerful, powerful words. Will you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, as we bow before you here today, we bow before your word, thanking you for its power in our lives. How you, Holy Spirit, through that word, have transformed us into the believers that we are. We ask you to open your word to us now tonight. Speak to us. Open your heart to us as we open our heart to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now last week as we spoke about the light, I want to introduce the villain of the story here, if you please, today. And that is the darkness. The darkness could not comprehend it. But darkness is something that is a powerful force. As brilliant as the light of Christ is, I want you to know, darkness is powerful as well. Not equally powerful. Uh, Christ has no one who can challenge Him whatsoever. The light is absolute, there's no contest. There is no darkness that can hinder the light from shining. But for us who are mankind, we can be very much caught in the darkness. And today we want to focus on what that means. In John chapter 3, one of the most beloved passages, and we read it so many times beginning with verse 16. You can probably quote it with me even now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son... That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, how I love that passage. And oh, I have meant so much to each and every one of us. But we do a great disservice to the Word of God when we stop right there in verse 16. Verse 17 goes on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Here it is. This is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to the light, lest their deeds should be exposed. Now I want to break that down just a little bit. Okay, Jesus did not come to condemn the world. Okay, somebody says, I don't know why God condemns this. God does not condemn people. The scriptures make this abundantly clear. We are self-condemned, alright? We are condemned. Why? Because we've refused to accept the gift 
of God's only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is that condemnation? The Scripture makes it clear. That lights come, that we can live in the light, and yet we choose to live in the darkness. Therein is the condemnation so very, very clear. But not only did mankind choose to live in the darkness, the Scripture here says mankind loved it. Loved the darkness instead of the light. Now that sounds kind of strange to our ears, doesn't it? We talked last night how it's kind of natural, especially when our children and grandchildren as they're growing up, that they love the light, but they fear the darkness. You send them to the bedroom, take them to the bedroom, and and they don't like you to turn off the lights many times. They want to have on a nightlight or leave the the door cracked or whatever the case it is because they, they don't love the darkness. They usually are afraid of the darkness, and what they long for is light. But what happens? I mean, this says that mankind loves the darkness. What happens when we were very young uh, and our sins might have been taking a cookie when mommy wasn't looking? Our sins as we grow older become more grievous. They become more heinous. And we find ourselves not wanting those sins to be exposed. So what do we do? We, We hide them. Where do we hide them? We hide them in the darkness. I mean, shudder the thought that our sins would be on public display for everybody to see. Right? I mean, who wants that? Right. And so, sinful man, what would we do? We naturally, by our nature, we want to hide in the darkness and hide our deeds down in the darkness. That's what we do. But more importantly, this is what I want you to know. This is who we are. Ephesians 5.8 that Tony read earlier says, For you were once darkness. I was once darkness. Will you let that seek in a little bit? People love the darkness more than the light. This is the reality today. We need to lead and learn this lesson before we can really move further into understanding the great story of Christmas. We need to understand, especially if we were converted a long time ago, especially if we've been believers for quite a few years, we tend to forget that before Christ saved us, we were irreparably, hopelessly lost in darkness of our own creation. We have to be reminded of that. It doesn't matter. Some people remember what it was like to live in that darkness as if it were yesterday. While others, maybe they were saved at a young age. And never experienced the awful rebellion of reckless sin before trusting Christ. But I want you to know we're sinners all the like. It doesn't matter. The vilest sinner is no more lost than the rebellious preteen. And the child that was saved at five years of age is no less lost than the vilest criminal that wasn't saved until they were 95. Lost is lost. Darkness is darkness. So we need to think for a moment. What was life like before Christ came? What was life like in our hearts before Christ came? Ephesians 4.8 points a picture for us. And it's not a very pleasant picture, but it's a picture Paul, as he is writing to to Ephesians, really uses two different paintbrushes, and we want to look at both of them this morning. 
two different paintbrushes to paint my situation and your situation before we came to faith in Christ. Thought number one there in your notes, before we were saved, we were darkness. Ephesians 5.8 says, you were darkness. Now, I want you to grasp something here. It doesn't say you were in the darkness. It doesn't say you were enslaved by the darkness. It doesn't say that you were influenced by the darkness. It says, you and I were darkness. We didn't have a problem with darkness. Where we were the problem of darkness. We need to grasp this for a moment. This was our lost estate. This is the way we were. By our nature, we always have and always will love darkness rather than light. There's no exception to that. Nowhere in this room is there exception to that. Way back many years ago, about the same time that, that Christianity had its birth, there was another religion that tried to feed off of the great excitement and the joy that was going on in Christianity, and it was called Gnosticism. And the Gnostics taught there was a divine spark in the life of every human being. But you know, folks, that's not scripturally true. That's not what the Bible teaches. There's no divine spark in any of us. There's no hope that any of us can turn on the light. There's no desire in our hearts to come to the light in our lost and darkened condition. We're in darkness and we don't really even know it. I mentioned last week that Larry and I took a lot of our teenagers back years ago uh, down into the depths of Mammoth Cave. And after you've walked about three quarters of a mile and, and you're hundreds and hundreds of feet below uh, the entrance to the cave, they'll all have you sit down. It's important to sit down in a situation like this. They have you all sit down. And then the guide will turn off all of the lights. And it's phenomenal to experience that darkness. You've maybe had some similar experiences with that. After a matter of, uh, of moments, uh, within, uh, within just seconds, your eyes are straining. They're, they're bulging, trying to grasp some light, but there's none there. It's disorienting. As a matter of fact, they, they have you to sit because if you're standing, many times you'll lose your balance and fall. So they have you said, darkness is disorienting. And before long, sometimes 45 seconds, sometimes it may be as long as a minute or a minute and a half, you begin to imagine you're seeing light. You begin to imagine that you're seeing it. It's not there. It's all in your brain because your brain is trying to concoct and use the memories of things that it has seen before. And you begin to try to, to imagine and you're seeing a, an imaginary light. Let me tell you something, folks. I was there, not just in Mammoth Cave. I was there in my darkness. I thought I was a pretty enlightened person. I thought I was pretty smart. And I thought I was pretty savvy. And I thought I had a pretty good idea of what the light was all about. But you know what Jesus says in, in Matthew? He says, when the light that is in you is really darkness, how incredibly awesome and powerful is that darkness you see I had my own imagined light and some of you are here today and you're walking in your own imagined light as well 
You're really in the darkness, but so much, you, you think, well, I'm, a, I'm an enlightened person. I'm an intelligent person. Now, so was I. And I realized that was really a make-believe kind of light. I was in the darkness. You've heard of sensory deprivation chambers. Uh, that's, that's weird that you're, you're placed in, in a, a, a heavy saline uh, solution of, of water and all the lights are out. It's an absolutely soundproof room and such. And you're there in nothingness. Now, now they've said that that helps your creativity when you're in there about 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe even an hour. But you know, out throughout the years of war in the world, sensory deprivation has been me a means of torture. Because if you, can, if you can remove somebody from a source of light or source of sound or any source of hope, it doesn't take long before they absolutely come apart at the seams. And we have stories of POWs who have been there and how their very sanity hung by a thread in those times. You see, we're not made to be deprived of our of our sensors, and especially light. And that's why there's no greater explanation of what hell is and what our life is before we come to faith in Christ than the darkness. Absolute darkness. But Paul uses another brush. Not only does he use the brush that says we were, in, we were darkness, he has another one, and that's the second thought in your note. He says also we were deadness. Deadness. And, and I want you to hear what, what he says right here about this deadness in Ephesians 2.1. He said, and you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. It's not enough that we were lost in the darkness. We were lost in our own deadness. We, we, we were not sick in sin. As a matter of fact, sin is not some kind of a mistake. Sin is not a disease. It's not a, a weakness. It's not a, an addiction. It's not a fall. It's who we are. It's who we are in the essence of our rebellion against God. I know what I know, and I know what I want to do, and I don't want you telling me nothing about how I ought to live. That's the attitude. Folks, we're born with it. But we grow in that attitude more and more. And that attitude of I want what I want, and I'm going to get it my way, and my perspective is the right perspective, I don't care what you have to say, that attitude is sin. And it leads to expressions of sin. And none of us are immune. None of us are immune. We were born that that was our natural tendency. And each and every one of us have lived out that tendency in all of our lives. Sin is deadly. It's deadness. Paul said, you, you didn't need to be resuscitated. There was no life in you. You were dead. And God had to make you alive. Now, now, it's not enough that we paint this, this brush that we were darkness and this brush that we were deadness. But here, this third thought is, and this scares me to death, and we loved it. We liked it that way. We preferred it that way. We were in darkness, and this is the way we liked it. That's, that's strange to our ears, but it's true. If you've ever worked with addiction and people who are addicted, and we have a wonderful addiction recovery ministry here at our church. 
you, you you, you don't tell the person who's addicted about how that addiction is harming them and how it is is destroying them and how it is bringing them, you know, absolutely down. They know that. And yet they're still addicted. They have this love-hate relationship with that addiction. They know it's darkness. They know it's deadness. But this is how I choose to live. And none of us are exceptions to that rule, folks. What a sad situation that Paul paints for us. But it's a situation that each and every one of us find ourselves in apart from Jesus Christ. We're darkness. We're deadness. And that's the way we like it. We don't want to be told that there's a right way. We don't want to be told that our way is a wrong way. We like it. Living in our own deception. And our own pretend light. That was me. That was you. And that's some of you even here today with us. But Paul writes in that, in that incredible Ephesians 5.8. He says, for you were once darkness. These next two words, I want you to hold on to them. You were once darkness... But now, but now you are light. That's the next point. You were darkness, but now you are are light. Something has happened to you. Something is, is changed in the elemental, fundamental part of who you are. You are no longer determined by darkness. Now you are light. Why? Because Christ has transformed. Christ has changed you. Christ is absolutely revolutionary. Way down in the the, the genetic encoding of who you are. You are no longer the person you once were. You are now one of the sons of light. Have you had that but now experience? Boy, I hope you have. I hope you have, and I hope you're rejoicing right now today. Yes, I remember, Brother Fred. I remember the darkness. I remember the deadness. I remember that I loved it. But now I am redeemed. Now I am changed by the power of God within my life. Folks, that's the story of Christmas. It's not about a baby in a manger that grew up to be a great man. It's about an invasion That light has invaded our darkness. It's about an explosion. That light has exploded into our darkness and destroyed it for those who will receive Him as their Savior and Lord. Here's the thing, folks. It's a choice. It's a choice now and it's always been a choice. It's a choice whether we decide to live in our darkness Or respond to the gospel that comes at Christmas. That light has come. That light has come. And darkness cannot overcome it. When you receive Christ, darkness flees. It has no place. It cannot exist where there is light. 
Darkness is the absence of light. They can't abide one another. The two cannot exist in the same time and place. They're mutually exclusive. One cannot abide the other. And there's no contest. Deep in Mammoth Cave, what that guide would do after just a, a few moments, he would talk just a word or two, but after a few moments, he'd strike a match. Now, two things happened. First of all, your eyes were drawn to that match. But then it, it hurt. A match. A flame from a match. But it hurt our eyes. Why? Because we had come so adjusted to the dark that now just the light of a match hurt our eyes. But then, then we, we watched that light. Oh, it was so good to see that light. <laughs> Uh, we were oriented again. We knew up from down and right from left. And, and we, we could see just a little bit. But then that light began to get lower and lower. And we said, no, 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 don't go out. But it went out. And the darkness was back. And more oppressive than it was before. Because we'd seen what light was like. And we longed for it. Folks, you're hearing the gospel of light today. That God cared for you so very much that He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And yes, He died in a manger. Uh, he was born and laid in a manger. And yes, He grew in a sinless man. But what you want to know about Him is that when He died on the cross, it was to take our darkness upon Himself. To take our sin and our shame upon Himself. That there would be no reason for us to love the darkness. There would be no reason for us to stay in the darkness. He died to take all of that upon Himself. And then He rose again three days later to give to those who would receive it His eternal life. That's the choice we have today. Folks, let me tell you. I remember coming out of the darkness into light. And I remember the utter transformations that happened in my life. Things that were, were, were just absolutely different from the way they used to be. Not everything in my life changed. A lot of that, you know, God, God changes some things automatically. Some things he, he takes time and He disciples us through over many, many years. But there were transformations that happened in my life beginning that day. I developed an insatiable desire to read the Word of God. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't get enough. I couldn't get enough. I, I carried a little New Testament with me even to school. And I can't tell you how many times a teacher would come by and say, put that away. You're supposed to be studying math right now. I know, I said, no, but I like this better. <laughs> I couldn't get enough. Of the Word of God to learn about Jesus. See, I didn't come up in church. I, I didn't come up, uh, you know, through, through Bible school and Sunday school and hearing all these wonderful, tremendous stories. I, I was totally ignorant of all of that. So I couldn't get enough of the Scriptures. The, 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 the book I'd never even known existed, really. I fell in, I fell in love with. I had no idea how to pray. I, I, I didn't know what prayer was. But all of a sudden, I had a relationship with God and Jesus Christ. It was brand new to me. And, and, and I couldn't pray enough. 
And I found myself talking to him as I was going all, all the way when I was at work between serving one customer and serving the other. He was just always on my mind. And we were in a constant conversation with one another. My anger was replaced with love. And my rage with patience and forgiveness. My, my hatred gave way to caring about the spiritual welfare of others. And, and most remarkably, I grew to love and trust my Heavenly Father. I had no trust for my physical fathers. And yes, that is plural. I had no trust for them. They had left me. They'd abandoned me. They'd walked off and got out of my life. But yet I had this hunger, a father hunger within me that began to be satisfied by my heavenly father. Something I never thought I would ever, ever have or experience. My trust in people began to be restored. As a matter of fact, so much so that now I tend to trust people far more than I should. <laughs> but for all of those that had forsaken me and hurt me, I found a whole family in the church who would love me and support me. My sense of purpose changed. Well, it didn't change. I didn't have one. And now suddenly I did. All of that because... Of what happened to me. I was darkness. I was deadness. And that's the way I liked it. Until somebody introduced me to Jesus Christ. And his light invaded my darkness. And his life restored me from my deadness. And I am hopelessly in love with my Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the relationship that you can choose to have even now today. Because that's what happened at Christmas. This is what Christmas is all about. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Let me leave you with these two verses of scripture. And then we're going to have a time of decision. In John 12 it says, Jesus said to them, a little while longer and the light is with you. Can I say that again? A little while longer and the light is with you. It is possible to continue to refuse that light for too long. Walk while you have the light lest the darkness overtake you. There's a real fear in that. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become the sons of that can happen today. A passage is often read at Christmas time. It comes from Isaiah, but I'm quoting from Matthew 4.16. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, the light has dawned. Folks, the light just came on. Will you let it shine in your heart? Bow your heads with me. It's time to do business with God. As I bow before Him, I ask you to bow with me in your heart. Father, there are many here today who today they got reminded of what life was like without you. How much they were darkness. How much they were deadness. And now, Lord, we just want to come together and say hallelujah. 
Bless you, Lord Jesus, for invading our wickedness, for exploding our darkness with your light. We want to honor you and bless you and praise you and worship you and serve you because of what you've done in our lives. Father, there are some here today and some that are, are, are watching this broadcast. Lord, they're still in darkness. They are still afflicted by the prince of darkness and his lies. Even to the point that they think that they're enlightened and they think that they know, but Lord, even their darkness, even their light is darkness. Because apart from you, there is no real light. Father, right now, for anyone here that is willing to say, God, I'm lost in the darkness. God, I'm lost in my deadness. I don't know what to do. Right now, God, will you have them pray? Pray along with me. Let my words become their words. Pray it in the depths of their heart to the heights of heaven and just say, oh, God, I'm sorry. I've rebelled against you. I confess my darkness and my deadness. And I confess that I've always liked it that way. But now I've heard that here at Christmas you came as light to invade my darkness. That you died to take my sins upon yourself. And you rose again that I might have your life. So right now, God, I want to confess my sins to you. As best I know how, I want to turn away from my way of living. I want to follow you. I want you to be the boss, the king, the ruler of my life. I ask you to cleanse me of all of my sins and totally transform me the way the Bible says. I want to be yours. Father, I know by the authority of your word that you've never refused that prayer and you never will. So right now there's some here today and some that are watching that have prayed along with me and Father, we want to rejoice with them. The angels are rejoicing because someone has been saved. The angels are rejoicing because somebody is coming to the light. Lord, we want to rejoice too. So right now, anyone that is, has prayed with me today, will you encourage them in a few moments to come and just, just to take Tony or me by the hand and just say, I, I, I prayed with the pastor. I, I, I want Jesus in my life. Because we want to pray with you. We want to give you some scriptures. We want to affirm you and rejoice with you. Father, there are some that are looking to join our church fellowship. And maybe today, Lord, you're telling them this is the place and now is the time. Others may want to come to the altar and, and pray for friends or loved ones. Lord, this is your time. We want to be so in tune with you, we'll say yes to whatever you tell us to do. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.